0: Curtis is back on Roto-Viz Radio.
1: What's up, Rotoviz? Welcome into Rotoviz Radio. I'm Dave Cabin, joined by Curtis Patrick. We are two of the owners here at Rotoviz. The man is back from a week of rest and relaxation getting ready to gear himself up for this fantasy football season in the year 2021. Curtis, how's it going?
2: Uh it's going great, man. Uh I spent last week in in Jamaica with my lovely bride. Um <laughs> I, I think I, oh my. I almost made Dave spit his, yeah. spit his drink out. Yeah, um, uh. We celebrated our 15th anniversary, uh, which is great. Um, it was the first time uh, as we were chatting before the show, first time we've been away for more than a night um, since our third uh, child was born. And my son's four and a half. Um, so it was, it was much needed time, you know, to connect. Um, Jamaica is actually where we spent our honeymoon. So, you know, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of reasons that, you know, that was a nice uh, trip to get away on and, um, uh, fans of the show, fans of my Twitter timeline will will remember that Alvin Kamara essentially famously paid for this trip, uh, with his <laughs> Christmas day performance in, uh, in 2020. So, um, that, that made it all the sweeter too. Um, my wife's not listening, but I mean, I, I really did have, um, such a great time and, um, you know, I missed doing the show with you last week, but, you know, appreciate you um, pumping those episodes out. I actually, I've got a surprise coming for her this weekend, ordered some uh, matted photos of a couple of the higher points of the trip, um, to, to hang around the house. So, um, I'm still a little bit, maybe in the afterglow of the trip. Wow. Uh, here, here as we, here, as we, uh, uh, get ready to cut up uh, some of the fancy news. So man, I will tell you one thing when I got back to the airport in Miami, I mean, my notifications just blew up, you know. W- w- you know, all the different alerts, various alerts that I've set up lots of training camp news and notes um, that I know we're going to want to talk about. Um, I felt super disconnected because I couldn't join new best ball drafts on certain platforms out of the country. So that was very (laughs) trying Um, part of my part of my plan had been um, to, you know, to, to do some quite a few buzzed drafts on the beach there. Uh, <laughs> didn't, really play, didn't really play out that way. Uh, luckily, drafts that were in progress weren't affected. So I still was able to make a couple picks and kind of see uh, what was going on. So uh, very, very anxious to get into the content uh, for the week. So as you said, a
1: lot of news and notes, it only makes sense that we start with the biggest piece of news coming out since you were away, and that is Carson Wentz dealing with the repercussions of foot surgery. There isn't a clear timeline. It looks like it could be five to 12 weeks. I always recommend with things like this that we assume that the player is going to be at back earliest, basically towards the end of the originally given timeline. So I have talked about how... I didn't really see a lot of players that were going to be super relevant in this offense, obviously outside of Jonathan Taylor. I know there are people that would have been a little bit interested in in Naheem Hines as a late round option at running back. Maybe some people out there still thinking that maybe T.Y. Hilton could kind of resurface and that we could see Michael Pittman take a step forward. Um, Overall, I'm not having too large of a reaction to this news because I was just not planning on incorporating these players onto many of my teams and the way that I was thinking about them they weren't getting any elevation from me because Carson Wentz was there I was kind of viewing him already as a lower level type of passer uh but like what was your initial reaction how do you think this changes values of the players on the team obviously this is going to push you off of them it's just how much further does this push you off
2: yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting because uh, so we know that the Colts, you know, have a strong offensive line and so they might be one of the very few teams that could just go out and assert the run game anyway, uh, regardless of the quarterback situation. Um, you and I were in total agreement that, you know, this passing offense was pretty much a fade, but the players are dropping so precipitously that at some point they might become a value because, you know, the Colts, the, the Colts offense, you know, if they struggle to score. You know, we could be looking at a lot of second half garbage time um, this year. And I mean, somebody is going to have to emerge, you know, as a principal pass catcher uh, in this receiving core. And then it's also interesting, like at the top of drafts, you know, Taylor is somebody that, you know, I think most of us here on the ownership team are interested in and that, you know, as early as the top half of the first round, you know, maybe a little ahead of ADP on him. um, But does this, you know, potentially, you know, impact the number of eight man fronts that he sees. Um, and if the team does get into catch up mode a lot, will he truly get, you know, the three down roll for the majority of the game or does it bring Naeem Hines back into, to focus a little bit more. So um, I was really interested to see, you know, what the the trends um, would look like. Uh, and this actually, uh, this actually is a report I ran as soon as I got to airport at uh, Miami, I had a little bit of a layover, Um, So I ran over to our best ball uh, ADP tools suite and looked at the risers and fallers tab. Uh, And you you can actually sort this by position um, or, you know, it can, it can be across all positions and just look at over any time period that you select um, the biggest risers uh, and fallers in ADP. And since uh, let's see, since July 25th, four of the top five fallers in best ball ADP our Indianapolis Colts tied to their passing attack. Um, so, so drafters have definitely, you know, as soon as the injury um, note started to pop up, uh, it really started taking its toll. So Carson Wentz has already fallen 57 picks. Uh, he's now being drafted around uh pick 200. I mean, I can't really imagine spending a best ball pick on Carson Wentz at this point. I expect that ADP will continue to fall. Um, unless you know, people who were, just insanely high on the Colts passing offense for reasons that you and I wouldn't understand want to make them like their QB three for the back half of their season. I think that's like the only people that are going to be interested in wins, but all three of the main pass catchers also falling um, more than two rounds already. So Paris Campbell uh, was affected the most about a 38, 38 pick fall in ADP T Y Hilton's down 25 picks and Michael Pittman down 24.6 picks. So you now have, no Colts pass catcher going within the top 10 rounds. And so you've almost got like a New York jets situation here. Um, albeit with a, a less exciting, you know, quarterback, you know, they've got, you know, maybe some upside there. Uh, if Zach Wilson pans out and the Colts are, you know, just fumbling through, you know, is Jacob Eason going to be the man or Are we going to bring somebody in from the outside is Sam, uh, Ellinger <laughs> going to get, uh, the nod. I mean, I mean it's really ugly. So, uh, the thing, though, is Dave. Like, how far would these guys have to fall? Like, Pittman was trending just a little bit um, coming out of um, OTAs, and there had been some positive reports from from Coach Reich on him. You know, really kind of emerging um, as the centerpiece of the passing attack. Like, how far would he have to fall? He's a, he's like at one thirty right now. Like, is is he on your board now? That late? Now that he's not, you know, ninth round pick.
1: Uh, I mean. Probably. Well, I think a lot of this goes back to just the way that I'm going to be putting my teams together. And that's kind Mm -hmm. of in a region where um, I think I need him to go a couple more rounds later uh, because it has to be something that's going to take me away from filling in perhaps the, the other like weaknesses that I have in my team as a result of going wide receiver heavy so early on or trying to find another like on some teams maybe i'm going to lower level tight ends and there's two guys that are interesting there so it's kind of like how much can that wide receiver there really contribute to my team but i do think it is fair to say that michael pittman does reach a point where he starts to get interesting um i know i wasn't that high on him to begin with but you know as we would always say every player has their price and even without a you know, quarterback of like a Philip Rivers level, like we saw last year, you know, you can still see guys that when there's an offense where there's just not a lot of receivers there still have solid years. So I think, like, if I'm playing in high volume, you know, maybe at that spot, I take Pittman on like five, 10% of teams. If I were to see him move back to like the 13th, 14th round, then I'd probably start to take a little bit more.
2: So I think he can, if the trajectory continues, he may fall. Um, outside the top 150. There's been a few instances that I can see in our data where he's fallen outside the top 150. And I think, like looking at the Colts offense, you know, before we move on here, um, it, as everyone slides down the board in this passing attack, it, it's almost one of those things where we look at the draft board upside down. Um, Sam uh, Wallace put out an interesting article on this. It's something that Sean has talked about um, over the years, kind of reverse engineering uh, your draft, you know, starting from you know, round 18 or round 20, you know, whatever format you're playing and working your way to the front of the draft sometimes is an interesting exercise because if you, if you identify who those late round value picks are um, it affects your strategy in earlier rounds. So, you know, as Pittman continues to fall, and it sounds like that's the guy that we're kind of zeroing in on is the one, the potential value um, you know, the team probably wants to see if he can actually be the alpha uh, at this point is in in what, what could turn out to be a little bit of a lost season. Um, you know, 150 might be that marked, uh, you know, to get him into that mid 13th round. So I I think, you know, other players that are typically available in that range, who could be the principal pass catchers on their team start to see, you know, really, you know, you know, sometimes we'll slip into that late 12th, early 13th. He would still need to be off the board for me. Henry Ruggs, uh, typically the, the number one, Uh, Raiders wide receiver and ADP in most drafts still available in that range. I think I would need Pittman to fall behind him as well. So a little work to do, but something maybe to monitor uh, over the next week or two. And and I think silence from the Colts camp at QB uh, will only drive these prices down further uh, because it will lead people to the conclusion that they really are (laughs) going to trot out Jacob Eason on day one. Yeah.
1: I I mean, I definitely, Agree with that. So some things to monitor there. There's a couple other things around the league that are worth monitoring that we mentioned quickly before we started recording that I think we'll mention one being it looks like Boston Scott is pulling even with Miles Sanders in the Eagles backfield. I saw numerous clips of Sanders fumbling, of him dropping passes uh, on Twitter, on the timeline. And apparently Boston Scott's starting to see an equal share of reps at practice. Just real quick
2: reaction to this, Curtis. I, I'm not, I guess I'm disappointed, but also not surprised. Um, Sanders hasn't been able to become the bell cow. Uh, in his first two years in the league and, you know, now with the turnover, and, you know, the, you know, the coaching staff that was willing to give him those chances, you know, uh, not there anymore. You know, it's, it's an open ball game. Um, and, uh, you know, Boston Scott has produced um, when he's, when he's gotten the the reps uh, and the volume and ball security is going to be big uh, for a team that probably not going to lead the league in, in passing attempts. Um, probably not going to be a, a fast paced offense, um, at least early in the year as they're kind of settling in with Jalen hurts. So uh, Sanders is going to have to figure out a way to hold on the ball. Um, I was reading some of today's camp notes and it looks like he fumbled again um, today, had the ball punched out um, in uh, an 11 v 11 drill. So not, not a good situation, not a good situation. And uh, you know, if Scott stays involved in the, in the passing game and the, the note in today's camp notes was specifically that hurts uh, you know, is really targeting him with a lot of frequency on swings out the backfield. So I, I don't know. I mean, Miles Sanders was already valued a little too highly for your liking and mine. Um, so probably doesn't change my, my draft strategy with him, uh, but it does probably put Boston Scott, at least for the next week until we see what happens with his ADP, puts him firmly back in the, in the conversation for uh, late round running back uh, target.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match.
1: Absolutely. Which probably is where he should have been even without this anyways, because the Eagles had tipped their hands a couple of times to the fact that they didn't want to just roll with one back. We saw Boston Scott perform well in the past. So if you liked him before, I think you should be liking it now. So then hopefully we start to see some news and notes making his role look a little bit reduced so we can try to keep that price down. Uh, one, I think the key, oh, the, the
2: one other key thing to mention there that, that is different than maybe what we would have thought, you know, 30 days ago or so, you know, with the team bringing in carry on Johnson, um, I think there was a little bit of uncertainty and, and you could maybe infer, well, they weren't comfortable with Boston Scott, if they're going to bring in somebody of carry of caliber. Um, but you know, with all the reports saying that it's Sanders and Scott, basically 50, 50 on the first team in terms of reps. Now, now, now we've got that clarity, you know, that maybe we didn't have, uh, back in early to mid July.
1: Yep. All right. Couple other quick notes Um, does not look like we're getting much clarity out of New Orleans uh, in terms of the quarterbacks. And I think we might have touched upon this. I will note that at this point in my mind, I'm starting to view Taysom Hill as the starter. Uh, So that's where I am in conceptualizing this team. We've talked about it already. I really like Alvin Kamara this year. I'm assuming that you're probably on board with that as well. Yes. (laughs) Yes.
2: <laughs> yeah, I've, I uh, have a FFPC best ball tournament draft in progress where I selected Kamara at 104. Um, that's where I've got him on my board is, is four overall. Uh, the uncertainty quarterback doesn't really change anything for me. You know, there's been people that weren't happy with his passing game involvement and overall fantasy output in the Taysom Hill starts last year. But, you know, this this year, if Taysom Hill becomes a starter, He's going to be running a more complete version of the offense. Uh, so those games don't necessarily, uh, I mean, it's a four game sample to begin with and, they, and it shouldn't really have held as much weight maybe as uh, other people were, were giving it. And then if Jameis Winston's back there, you know, obviously it's a different scenario and the saints might pass it 600 times. So no reason to hate on Kamara. Um, The one thing I did want to mention with the saints is even though there's the the quarterback uncertainty, the name that just isn't going away over the last weak really Um, even amidst the, the Michael Thomas uncertainty with his injury and you know the drama that he's putting out there on social media you know indicating that the team's not telling the whole story etc Marquez Callaway is making the most of his opportunities that is the like every New Orleans beat is just talking about how Marquez Callaway is is dominating target share and uh, I mean it's consistently beating the defense regardless of who uh, is taking the quarterback rep. So I think that's a name, um, that really needs to be on everyone's redraft, uh, you know, on everyone's redraft board. And then for dynasty, uh, definitely a player in, in most dynasty leagues, it's probably out there on your waiver wire. So if your league is actually running waivers right now, uh, I would definitely place a claim on Marquez Callaway and you might have a, a chief, uh, or, or a, a cheap rather, uh, wide receiver target hog there.
1: For sure. So the final other note that uh, we thought might just be worth mentioning was it looks like uh, Trey Lance is doing pretty well at camp already challenging Jimmy G. It looks like it's a real possibility that we could see Trey Lance in there pretty early on. Uh, So that's another thing worth keeping in mind. Did you have anything related to that on the 49ers that you wanted to mention?
2: Well, many people have been talking about, you know, Lance as a, you know, having a a nice playoff schedule for redraft and still targeting him. even though he might not play in September, uh, at least in best ball. So it's encouraging um, to hear that he's, he's pulling even this early in the, in the, in the, uh, in the off season. And if he plays well in the preseason um, I mean, all bets are off. I mean, you know, we saw very late in the game, you know, thinking all the way back to the beginning of Russell Wilson's career uh, you know, they had signed Matt Floyd coming over from Green Bay uh, and wasn't really a strong starter and and Wilson lit up lit it up in camp and the team just gave him the reins and, and never looked back uh, Shanahan definitely a bold coach um, I would not rule out the possibility of Lance day one starter regardless of you know what's been floated out there uh, by the beats
1: all right with the news and notes behind us uh, a couple of topics I wanted to get through here. I want us to hit the first two of these pretty quickly, because I think that you have a timely question related to the last piece of this first question for you. You have already done a lot of drafts this year. And of course, most of these have been best ball, but are there any important trends that you've seen that you like, or either you really dislike, or you think that people should already start finally in their minds as we start to get into redraft season in earnest?
2: Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think more people are on board and, and maybe it's just the particular best ball, uh, the best ball drafts that I'm partaking in um, being tournaments. Because um, if you're playing in regular dr- best ball leagues, the, the amount of upside that you're looking for when it's not like a, a GPP situation is maybe a little bit less. Um, so it could be that pretty much all of my best ball uh, entries this year are are in some of these mega tournaments, and this is why this trend is. Uh, is coming to the surface, but I really am seeing people more on board with the idea of hammering wide receiver early. I'm seeing multiple teams, not just one or two teams, but it, usually more like three or four teams, um, going after that. You know, one elite running back or even a zero uh, running back strategy. So it's it's interesting to see that adopted, but I, I've almost seen it affect uh, the the quality of players in the second round at running back. You know, players that you know, we think maybe have round one upside, even in, in 2022, some of these potential breakout running backs, uh, players like Antonio Gibson and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire being available routinely in the late second, yep. I think is something that I didn't expect. Uh, but you're seeing, you know, widespread adoption of you know Devontae Adams shooting back up to the first on Aaron Rodgers coming back, Tyree Kill and Stephon Diggs. Uh, Calvin Ridley and DeAndre Hopkins, all very popular kind of top 18 picks, pushing down a couple of those upside running backs. And I think even Joe Mixon uh, could be viewed in the same light as Gibson and Edwards Hilaire's potential bell cow and what should be an exciting offense. So I think that's really the first trend. And and what it's, what it's showing me is that, you know, when you draft in the top four of a best ball draft, a strategy that typically would not deploy, but I'm finding myself deploying this year is actually starting running back, running back. I rarely have done this in the last four years, but when you can start Dalvin Cook and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire or Alvin Kamara and Joe Mixon um, or Alvin Kamara and Antonio Gibson, I mean, that's pretty exciting. It allows you really just to go, you know, just nuts on wide receiver for the next five to six rounds. You really don't even have to address running back again until after round 12, round 13, when you start with a couple of horses like that. So it is leading me. And I think the player values are leading me and the types of players at that value are leading me to some different strategies. Um, And then, you know, another trend is the aggressiveness on rookies in some of these big tournaments, you know, Cincinnati, for example, Jamar chase going before both T Higgins and Tyler Boyd, despite basically not playing football for two years um, uh, or, or at least a year um, plus, you know, an off season on either side of it. So yeah, really two years. Um, that's pretty interesting to me. I mean, early fifth round top 24 wide receiver when there are established receivers there, um, who have produced, you know, with burrow. Um, I think that's kind of an interesting trend. Um, and then, you know, another thing that I'm seeing is more aggressiveness on, on quarterback. Earlier on, I mean, you know, you're typically seeing the top 12 to 14 quarterbacks off the board in, in the single digit rounds of drafts. And for so many years, the late round quarterback trend has been, um, you know, one of the the prevailing ones by, you know, the types of sharps who are playing these big tournaments. But I think, you know, just the the crazy upside that the true elites have in the NFL. Now people are realizing, you know, the positional advancement or uh, positional advantage, rather value over replacement um, that some of these quarterbacks bring. And so you start to see, you know, Mahomes and Allen in the top, you know, 36 to 40 of drafts very routinely. And, you know, Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott, all solid fifth, fifth round picks. And then Aaron Rodgers having shot from the 10th round up to the sixth, you know, it's another guy, you know, just there in that range. So, you know, it's definitely that different type of single digit draft board. I think that we've seen in the last couple of years and uh, it's made drafting really, really fun um, because it, you know, for so many years, it's just been so formulaic formulaic for me. You know, we're very much fans of structural based drafting at Rotoviz, um, but the types of structural based drafting that were so clearly the right type in the past couple years um, were really limited to one or two, um, yeah. because draft boards just always seem to fall the same way. But it seems a little bit more wide open, and I'm having fun, um, you know, mixing in different types of draft structures uh, that I can find from you know our best ball. Uh, roster construction tools that that might work in some of these things. So any takeaways that that you hear there, are you seeing anything different uh, in your drafts that you would want to highlight? So I think that you more
1: or less hit upon a number of the things that I was going to say. The first thing that has surprised me this year is that though there still seems to be resistance to zero running back, I have seen teams start to be a lot more loose with the number of wide receivers that they're taking early on. And I think that some of this comes from the fact that people, even if they're not directly aware of it, are starting to realize that there is this running back dead zone area. And I've seen a lot of people after round two, maybe like two and a half that I know in the past still would have been taking running back or would have been more enthused about doing it, kind of holding off. So I actually was in a... um Over the weekend, got together with a bunch of guys from, like, the Boston area and, uh, like, did a live draft, which was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Uh, And in this league, right, like, I was not expecting people to go as as aggressive on wide receiver. So I knew I'd probably be going zero running back. Pete Oversetz in the league, I knew he'd be, you know, a zero running back type of drafter. But I was actually, like, blown away at how many people... I would not have pegged to be going aggressively after wide receiver doing it early. And I think that this is a trend that it was just more surprising when you see it like actually happening in person with people that you know, that's not normally how they do it. But it is like you said, also reflected in some of these drafts. So I think that people are going to start to see it permeate into their redraft leagues if they're playing with people that are kind of in tune with the game that aren't casual players. As a result of that, though, I actually... And I'm glad that you mentioned Clyde Edwards-Alaire, as I've talked about in the past. I think that this year he's actually become a player worth targeting. I almost completely flipped my script and went with Clyde Edwards-Alaire in round two because it just made a lot of sense when I was looking at the board that I could get him there. And I felt like in a way I'd kind of be able to like backdoor into doing that modified zero running back or elite zero RB, not that mm-hmm. Edward Delaire is, but, you know, I would have started off with Diggs, gone Edward Delaire, and then I'm, you know, would have still been able to fill in with a strong wide receiver group. So I think the point that you made about the structures being a little bit different this year really holds. Um, so yeah, I think that this year you do need to study ADP a little bit more, And get a little bit more creative and adapting to the way that your draft is actually going to fall versus what you might have might have done in other years. Because I think there's going to be opportunities there that if you take advantage of them, set you up really nicely.
2: Man, I'm so jealous of your live live draft. Um, That's cool. And it sounds like it was a a sharp bunch um, to keep you on your toes, too. So, um, yeah, that man, that just gives me the fever Yeah, Uh, for the season to get started so much more. I'm sure you're just pumped. Yeah, well, it was uh, put on by uh,
1: Kevin, uh, the FF engineer, Kevin O'Brien knows him from Twitter. Yeah, so he put it on. So he got together like a really awesome group of guys like he is a fantastic commissioner. Uh, So like, yeah, I mean, it was awesome just to like get to connect with people and like do the actual draft and have the draft board up and everything. So.
2: Oh, I mean, man. Yeah. yeah, that's, it. yeah, I got goosebumps. That's great, man. <laughs> um, my, uh, my first live draft is this upcoming weekend uh, at the pro football hall of fame, uh, the Kings classic. Um, so that is going to be, uh, that's going to be my first uh, foray into the the live draft board um, for, for fans of our show that want to listen into how I'm building my team. Uh, you'll be able to listen to that live streamed on Sirius uh, XM on the fantasy sports network. That'll be a nice little treat for the weekend. Uh, make sure to tune in. Saturday morning, uh, broadcasts, I, th- I believe will start at, at 9.00 AM, uh, with some, uh, pre-draft interviews with, uh, some of the big names. So, uh, it, this is basically a, a battle of many of the, the big sites. Um, and, and, I'll have a chance to get together and visit, you know, with a couple, uh, industry friends Friday night. So I'm looking forward to that catch up with, uh, you know, Mike Clay and, you know, some of those other guys, um, that have, you know, uh, been part of my, my, uh, formative years, uh, in fantasy sports. So that's always nice too. And Ryan McDowell, my former podcast partner, of course, uh, the, the venerable godfather of dynasty football, uh, <laughs> chance to catch up with him, uh, as well. So, uh, well that, yeah, that's man, that's awesome. Um, you've got me juiced up. Um, you know, I, I've got a draft in, in progress. I want to pick your brain about maybe yep. we'll save that for tomorrow's or for, uh, or Thursday's episode rather or Friday's episode, um, and get into that a little bit, but you know, I, I hope my, I guess my sendoff today would really just be the listeners, man, if you haven't started drafting this year, you gotta do it. Um, and, and I really want you to consider playing at the FFBC uh, if you haven't done it this year, it's just such a great, I mean, they're, they app slick and I just think their contests are, are so, you know, ripe for the picking. We get to leverage what we know about tight end premium and how that can affect roster construction. Um, We have all the tools on our site. I mean, I I know many of you use our site, you know, and you're going to have your draft on Yahoo or on ESPN. And, you know, those are fine platforms um, to play on and and, your home league. But if you're really going to get in there uh, and and put, you know, some money on on fantasy this year, you got to check out some of the FFPCs games. So uh, hopefully you subscribe to our premium email. I've got links to their best ball tournament in there uh, pretty much every day when I send out our email Uh, share some uh, snippets of my own drafts in there. And then, of course, Dave and I are going to be prepping for our uh, Football Guys Championship draft uh, (laughs) here in the coming week or two. Uh, We'll get to do that. And then, you know, also, you know, the big main event, uh, Rotoviz has shown very well there in recent years. um, Sean and I having a a pair of top 33 teams uh, last year. Sean and Blair also had a very highly placing team. So uh, that's where we're playing. We want you to play there with us, too. So go out and check that